All right, y'all. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Pitch Please. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome or welcome back for those that have been listening. We are Rebellious PR, a full-service public relations agency headquartered in Portland and Los Angeles. Our goal, you might be asking, amplifying the stories of diverse companies by telling stories worth hearing. Uh, We bring raw ideas, fresh insights, and unique expertise and cultural competency to the table. We're rebellious because our clients disrupt industries to create revolutionary work, and we're definitely committed to disrupting our own industry with PR done better. So we're breaking down the walls in our, of course, relentless pursuit of visibility for movers and shakers in a myriad of industries. Of course, this is all seen through the eyes of a team that consists of fellow rebel rousers, thought leaders, and free thinkers. And we have some of those on the podcast today for you. Of course, I am here to help take you through this pod. Welcome. I am Megan Jones. Uh, You guys, please head over to our SoundCloud, Rebellious PR. Download us wherever you snag your pods. Uh, You can find us all over the internet. Uh, Follow our adventures on Instagram, Twitter, And you know we're on that TikTok because uh, we wouldn't be doing our jobs properly if we weren't on the latest and greatest in social media. Um, On our show today, of course, founder and CEO Evie Smith. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to season three. So exciting. Boop, boop, boop. We did it. Uh, and of course, on the podcast today, we have two of our account specialists, Cyan Cromwell and Sara Espinosa. Welcome. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello. Y'all, last last season, our theme was was all about trailblazers, right? Like how they're cutting through the noise. We really dug in deep with CEOs and entrepreneurs who are paving their own way. And we felt it was fitting that this season, we're going to give everybody sort of an inside peek into how we run as an agency, right? How we're paving the way for PR done better. So you know, as I mentioned uh, before, we are on the TikTok, right? We are on the latest and greatest. And I think as publicists, as uh, an agency that also does social media and has to, you know, working with influencers, we have to know what's trending, what's out there, how to tell if something's trending, um, and really be able to like keep our eye on things that are just sort of out in the universe to to really help our clients. So you know, Evie, I'm, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, like what you, I feel like you're always like bringing up the trending things. You have an eye for like, I called it, I, I see that thing. I knew that thing. Like what's your magic? <laughs> I think being old. <laughs> no, I, I, I do think having, you know, almost 15 years logged and a lot of, you know, my early career was spent um, you know, as things, social networks were really taking off. And so really seeing, you know, news cycles around trends, how news surfaces, and then kind of watching like the who and how trends get reported. Um, and kind of, you know, I think it's, it's always identifying who's really fluent in the internet that year, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit less of like me having my finger on the pulse and more of me being able to spot the people who have their fingers on the pulse. Yeah, that's interesting. Like where, you know, I feel like both Sarah and Cyan, you you are the, you grew up, right? In the age of the internet, you, you'd always had the internet, you know, at the tip of your fingers. So, you know, what are things that y'all are doing or seeing out there that, you know, you're like, oh, I, I need to, I know I need to be on this. Like, what are some of those, like either platforms or things that you're seeing out there? 
Oh my gosh. I guess I would have to say, well, definitely Twitter and TikTok for me are like the main platforms that I check every day, just because there's so many young content creators that are always just, you know, doing new things and you need to keep up with what they're doing. So that's mostly what I've been looking at when it comes to trends and just what's happening in general. Yeah, I think I like to check out like new platforms. Um, And I think like the current platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like Snapchat even are always evolving. So it's it's always interesting just to see like what the next iteration or the next like, you know, whether it's stories or like, you know, what kind of like the next thing that the social platforms are going to start to like implement within themselves. Um, But I thought the audio, I thought Clubhouse was really interesting. I know like when that got slated in, it was really Mm -hmm. new and different. No one else was really doing like the straight up audio. Um, And then it was like Twitter added that in. And even Reddit now has like a audio based like thing. And yeah, it's, it's always just interesting to me, I guess, like what's new and how that gets like implemented in. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, y'all, do y'all have any uh, favorite, you know, I hear you talking a lot about different social platforms. Do we feel like the social platforms are sort of what, you know, set the trends or like, are we reading any, you know, newsletters or like news sources that we feel are really doing a good job? Yeah, I think it might be hard with people's like attention span nowadays like video is king so it's just I feel like social like entertainment or social media platforms kind of have the they like have us by a chokehold when it comes to like attention span because they like know how to make everything so bite-sized I think looking at a full article or something while for us that's like part of the job that's you know how we know to stay on top of media and stuff but I think um I don't know it's like newsletters are pretty big but yeah, I, I just feel like video kind of has us. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, so, oh, sorry, Sarah, you go ahead. Okay, um, yeah, I think for me, it just depends on what you're looking for. Because like when it comes to news, I think Twitter for me is the one that delivers just like the fastest information. And there's like a, a chance to like really double check on sources and everything, just because there's so much content on there. Um, but then when it comes to like more like lifestyle or like reading personal essays and um, points of views, then I do think like reading newsletters are helpful just because they provide a variety of, you know, different sources and content. Um, but then when it comes for like entertainment and like comedy, then I do think that TikTok's probably like the number one source for me just because, you know, anyone can be making that and go viral for no reason sometimes. So I think that's what that's the appeal in that. Yeah, maybe it's like the next generation of entertainers are going to come from TikTok because I do feel like there's this whole um, era of, you know, like Justin Bieber came from YouTube, Andy Samberg came from YouTube, and it was like all these different people from different entertainment mediums were kind of getting plucked out um, of social media at that time. So maybe we'll see um, like Ghost Honey. I don't know if you guys know who that is on TikTok, but he's like the funniest person in the world. Maybe he's going to be on SNL in two years. Like, who knows? Um, so I think it's like really interesting to see how social media dictates like what is in vogue essentially. Um, I was just going to say, I, Cyan, when Clubhouse came out and you like didn't sleep for a week and you were like on there and then like two weeks later, you're like Clubhouse is over. And I was like, (laughs) I just feel like you're, you're such a, um, 
you're so good at sort of predicting those things, but it's like, how, how did you get in early? And then how did you know it was time to move on? And I think that I'm sure that you've done that with other sort of social platform trends, but maybe we could look at um, your relationship with Clubhouse as sort of like a, um, you know, like a, a case study. Yeah, that's interesting too. Um, I think even kind of relates to what you were saying about like how creators, like the people within the platform are really what make it like, and it's like, you know, we go to TikTok or whatever it is to see that creator or that person that we know is like engaging and funny and stuff. Um, so I think it has a lot to do with like the people that are using the platform and like their, um, I guess like sentiment towards it. Um, and I know with Clubhouse, when it first launched, it was like, you know, also a timing thing because it was like middle of the pandemic and everyone wanted to talk to anybody about anything and everything. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it had like kind of like a timely appeal, I think. But even in those very early days, there were like Clubhouse rooms that were like, what is the fate of Clubhouse? And like when they opened Clubhouse to, you know, everyone, because at that point it was still invite only. And they were like, you know, already having conversations about like, how are the people who are setting the tone currently, how like, how are they still going to be, um, you know, I guess like have some sort of spotlight or be able to continue to like affect the culture of the app, um, even as the app evolves. And I always point to um, Vine as like the what not to do <laughs> like oh, I love Vine so much <laughs> right like R. everyone R. it was it was such a moment like such a cultural thing and then like you know they weren't really catering to the creators they didn't really want to like you know give them that kind of specialization within the platform because they are what make it so great um so yeah I think kind of just like keeping tabs on what the people within the app, like the the most active people, if they're feeling, you know, neglected by the brand, if they feel like they even have a personal connection to the brand. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of like one of the bigger factors. Yeah, I feel like a lot of sort of what we've been saying here in the last few minutes kind of has me thinking about also um, we like had some sort of workshop that we attended the agency and it was saying how we should be treating influencers essentially as sort of as journalists, right? As media. And I thought that that was really interesting how sort of the role of the creator or the influencer, et cetera, has drastically changed and how we're treating those relationships. Um, and, you know, to your, all to your point, Cyan, around of like, you know, if you're not treating, you know, that, creator in, in such a way or giving them that supporting space, they're, they're going to bounce. Um, and I think we've been seeing a lot lately, you know, especially around like black creators, right. Where it's like the, you know, cultural importance of, 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 of black culture and, and talent um, really influence the cultural trends that are, are happening today. And it's, you know, really important that we sort of like recognize the inequities here, right? Um, and how people are sort of, you know, adopting or adapting um, and how when Black creators are like, we're not going to create anymore, we're going to stop. It's it's an actual like, you know, full stop, stop the presses. That's a whole thing. I'm just, I'm curious to get 
y'all's opinion on that? Like, what do you think about this? How can we give credit when, you know, where, you know, credit is, is rightfully due? Uh, yeah. Deep breaths. <laughs> we all take deep breaths. We're like, woo, all right. Yes, it's, it's a thing, right? Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's very intricate. It's, um, I actually did like a research project in school um, in my undergrad about this similar subject. It was like particularly looking at black dance forms. Um, but actually that was like exactly what happened on TikTok this year was like, mm-hmm. you know, Meg Thee Stallion, when she released the song, Thought It, she didn't, um, or black creators on TikTok didn't choreograph to it. And it was kind of like a test of, you know, like, let's see who really is, you know, building the culture on this app. If we take black creators out of it, what will happen? And people were, you know, on there clapping their hands, <laughs> stomping their feet and didn't know what to, how to create rhythm anymore. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious from, you know, sort of, um, from your perspective also in like the Latinx community and, um, you know, from that side, as far as like representation, like what, um, yeah, like how, how can we maybe do better and how we, I don't know, navigate that, that conversation with them? Oh my God. I think, yeah, just like giving credit where it's due. Like, I know that recently there's been some sort of copyright things that have been coming up with dances. And I think that's a good step towards, you know, giving them credit and getting them paid because they need to get paid for what they do. Um, but yeah, I think this that's just like the first step. And then of course, like, you know, recreating the content, but always, you know, giving them credit and just spreading their work. Um, I think it's something that's really important. Yeah, definitely. Especially as a lot of what we do, right, as rebellious, like um, underrepresented founders, those that, you know, often don't, aren't able to have a voice or as large of a megaphone. Um, definitely advocating, advocating for that. I'm, I'm curious what we feel and Evie, um, again, 15 years in the biz, you say it's not because you have your finger on the pulse, but what are we feeling is next for the PR industry? Um, I think the PR industry is long overdue for, um, like a, like a service change. I think the way that PR has been done has been pretty much the same since the beginning of time. Like we send emails, whereas like, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, people were like picking up the phone and calling. And so like, thank God we don't have to make phone calls. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that, um, the, the we're overdue now for like a communication change. Like it's been email since, you know, probably like the mid aughts, um, we don't use fax machines anymore, but it's like, it, that's, that's a long ass time ago. So like, what's kind of going to be like the next thing after email and like how we're communicating. I, I don't know what that is, but I, I think there is going to be a communication shift. I also think, you know, one thing that we've seen, um, and you know, we have the ability to be really nimble and kind of go with the flow because we're small and it's easier for us to pivot. And I also think like, we're just generally, uh, more trendy and trending agency um, where we know what's hot um, is that like journalists don't care about news anymore unless you're Google, unless you're Amazon, unless you raised $20 million. Most of our clients (laughs) are not out there raising $20 million. And so it's, 
this thing where, you know, I think with PR, it used to be like, oh, client, I need news. I can't tell, I can't do anything if I don't have news. Well, you know, for the last two, three years, we've been, you know, really getting, making our bread and butter on evergreen stories and human interest stories and, you know, creating pitch pipelines that are full of like creative ideas and angles that we've, we've concepted. And a lot of that is because, you know, journalists are more interested in like how something's going to affect the world. What are the great stories that we're telling? It's not, it's just like not about basic funding news or um, company hires VP. That's just like, nobody gives a shit about that anymore. So I think that the PR industry is going to shift more towards that storytelling. I think our industry is going to be labeled more of a creative, like creative industry. Um, and I think that, you know, the world needs PR, whether it realizes it or not. I think like we're sort of like this dark shadow. And I think that there's an opportunity for our, our industry to be seen, um, and have the reputation as like a good, helpful thing and not this sort of like menacing, lying, used car salesman, um, sort of, sort of thing. So yeah, those are sort of my like Oracle predictions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not all like, uh, I suppose, you know, I think when anybody maybe thinks PR, right, it's either like Olivia Pope. um, She's covering up some sort of like, I don't know, murder, infidelity, like crazy, you know, lying for somebody all the time. Or like you have some sort of like entertainment PR, you know, associated with it. Because I think people just like think, oh, like, oh, celebrities have publicists. So, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I'm curious though, you know, to the the larger team here is like what, as it pertains to PR, like what are some of the things since y'all are in the trenches, right? What, what trends are out in the world right now that are affecting, you know, some of the things that we specialize in like women's sexual health, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I can, I can think of a number of things, but what, what are, what are some of those things that we feel are out there? Yeah, I can speak on that. I think something that I've noticed recently is taking the shame out of women's health and women's needs. I've seen a lot of articles talking about, you know, certain things that may- maybe have not been vocal in the media, like endometriosis, pelvic pain, um, you know, periods. Um, I saw an ad the other day about women pooping. I've never seen anything about that. And that was like, whoa, you know, like this is happening. It's, it's a big change. Do you know, Sada, how many times, so I'm like watching this British app with this British murder show. And it's like, I think it's called like Garden Life or something. And it's a like a two, one and a half minute advertorial commercial where it's like, women, I love pooping. Women always poop. It's like women on toilets pooping. I've sh- literally shared that with all of my friends uh, because I'm like, oh my God, y'all. We, we all poop. <laughs> so I saw, yeah, I saw that ad on Hulu like last night and I was like, I've never seen that. And even in like in period, like panty ads or like even pad or tampon ads, we don't see the blue tint anymore. Something's is red. Sometimes it's a different color. And I think that's, that's something that we've been seeing that it's going to make change in the whole industry. I saw a really interesting commercial that really struck me in a, in a interesting way, it was a, um, a pregnancy test commercial 
but like, mm. and it had like the typical like couple, like, oh, what is it going to be? And the woman like, oh, what's it going to be? And then the woman being like, fuck no, <laughs> where it was like, you want to be pregnant. And I was like, yes, because like, I feel like most of the time when you're taking those tests, it's not because you're doing like some really cutesy family planning, you know, like I bet like 50 to 60% of pregnancy tests are bought with people being like, oh, fuck, am I pregnant? And so I thought that just was sort of like an interesting there was like a bigger, a bigger story there with like, okay, we're talking more about like, like more than just being baby makers and wanting that to be our destiny. So it felt like somebody was maybe a feminist on the writing team for that commercial or something. But yeah, so I'm like, I'm curious from you guys, like, like what's the next hottest thing? Like, what are you guys predicting? Like what, like, I know we're probably about to go back into lockdown because of the Delta variant. So perhaps like clubhouse is going to have a resurgence or there's going to be something else like that. But like, I would, I would love to hear from you guys is like, you know, our, our hip young people, (laughs) such a fucking grandma now. Um, Like what, what do you guys think is like, like going to be like the next, the next hot thing to keep eyes on? I think something that we've been seeing is the theme of nostalgia that's been coming back, you know, the 90s, angsty teenage things, music, we've been seeing a lot of that. And I think that's going to continue, especially as we go back into lockdown. I've seen a lot of videos of people like talking about their times in the first lockdown, talking about like, you know, the coffee trends and what people were doing when they were inside their houses. And I was like, damn, that's nostalgic. Like already it's been less than two years. So I think that's something that's going to continue in different ways and forms and in different industries. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think like slowly, but surely like, like outdoor things, or just like traveling and, and like, you know, music festivals. And it's like, there were, it, it was so weird. I feel like over the summer, cause like, things kind of started to expand back into that, but then not really. So I feel like people are still very eager to like do things and like have, you know, whether it's activations and like anything that can give someone an experiential, like real tangible uh, experience, I guess, using that word twice. But yeah, I I feel like that's kind of what people are like, like itching for. So I feel like we're going to see some really cool, like, pop-up shops and like just in real life things that are also going to translate to social media and digital because like that's always the you know the thread that I feel like pulls people in um or like keeps people around once you make that like first kind of interaction with them um yeah I think the nostalgia thing is so interesting um I just heard do you guys, I don't know if anybody else listens to the happiness lab. It's yeah. like led by this like Yale an instructor who uh, has let, she has this course on like finding happiness and happiness. She's a psychologist. It's Yale's most popular course in, in history of the university. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's got this podcast and the, she, the first episode of the new season was all about nostalgia and they had Rob Lowe on talking as like he's like such a nostalgic figure for um those of us who were kids in the 80s so yeah I think that that conversation that nostalgia conversation um is really interesting that we're having that especially because I think in lockdown it was kind of hard not to just replay every single moment of my entire life three times over for that year absolutely 
So, you know, I think like having that sort of romantic lens of nostalgia on things feels good. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, me. absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I think it's interesting, right. As like, as y'all are having this conversation, I'm like, wow, would we be having the same conversation if we aren't, if we wouldn't be going through a global pandemic, right? Like it would be so much different and how, um, like this has literally changed the course. You know, I, I think back to earlier part of the conversation where it's like, we're talking about women's sexual health and, um, you know, how, you know, oh yes, I'm getting pregnant and I actually don't want to get pregnant. Like, this is not a good thing for me. I'm not going to, you know, um, I think it's like, I knew a a lot more people who, yes, over the course of the pandemic, it's like became more loud and proud about those types of things and how that that was, you know, really going to, sort of change the course of, you know, I think we're, we were able to maybe move things along a lot quicker in certain spaces um, because we, we all had a lot of time to sit and think about it and realize that like, okay, if, if this is it, then I'm sitting and I'm living in my truth. And, and that's that. Um, but I definitely agree. The, the nineties and I see the early aughts are back in a, in a very big way, li- reliving all of my 16, 17 year old, uh, dreams out here. I can do it all again. Very thankful for that. Um, yeah, it's very strange. I see people like romanticizing like Tumblr era, like 2013, 2014. And I was like, I was there. Like I was that person. Like I wanted to be a Tumblr girl. Like I remember those outfits, I remember the music. I still listen to the music. And then seeing a 16 year old right now talking about that is, it's just strange for me. I was like, that was like not that long ago. It makes me feel old. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like how quickly, uh, that all kind of like just sort of spiraled. And it's again, interesting, right. Where it's like, you know, we have so much access to so many things, um, Mm -hmm. that like, I'm curious, you know, you know, we did talk about like different social media platforms, but like, how do y'all keep up? How do we keep up? It's like, I feel, you know, obviously, right. This is like part of our job. So it's, you know, innate into what we do, but yeah, I just, I sort of think about like the bigger picture of like, not to get all crazy, but like thinking back to the election when, when Trump won, it was like, you know, it's like, how did I not see this coming? Right. Like how, you know, because I'm in my bubble, I'm in my you know, I'm just like in this echo chamber of like people who are thinking the same thing, expecting the same outcome. So it's like when I turn to things that like, you know, and today things are moving so fast, information's coming at us from like every different angle, you know, it's like, how do we sort through the things that um, we think are going to be lasting or know what to glom onto? Like, what are best practices? I don't know, you know? Hmm. I know. That's that's where my brain goes, y'all. It goes on a wild ramble of a ride. So you're welcome. There's just so much content out there. Like there's just no way that you can consume it all. Like I have a stack of magazines next to my desk that I've been there for months that I haven't read them. Um, Just because I'm always just online or on my phone or doing different things. And it's like hard to prioritize if that's the right word, you know, what you should consume first or if at all. Um, 
but I think just looking at both sides too, just looking at different sources, looking at different writers and seeing their points of views and how they relate to the, the topic is something that it's important, especially when it comes to like political issues. Yeah, I, I think um, also kind of like knowing perhaps like what community um, or something that you like resonate with. I feel like a lot of like, well, obviously things are trendy because like a large group of people like know about it or are talking about it. And it has like that kind of critical mass that makes it a trend. Um, but there are definitely like subcultural trends and, you know, you like Twitter and things make us feel like we should know every single thing that's happening in the world at any given moment in time. But like, that's not healthy <laughs> mm. or even like humanly possible. Um, so I think kind of like knowing your, you know, your, your preferences in a way, but also being expansive, like maybe tapping into, you know, some other communities and the things that are trending over there and not doing it in an appropriative way, but like, you know, kind of going back to giving credit where credit is due and we can consume, you know, things and trends from a lot of different subcultures and engage in them um, without like, yeah, I guess kind of like taking from it or doing things like affecting the trend in ways that aren't positive. Um, yeah, I, I think kind of just like not trying to be on top of every trend and kind of just honing in on like, you know, your specific categories or your specific app or, you know, whatever thing you kind of like to uh, gear towards. Yeah. I also yeah, want not, to not cannibalizing it. Yeah. 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 Oh, I wanted to add that you should also like consume things that you want to, not because you should. Um, so I do like, I like listening to old podcast episodes and like rewatch TV shows that I've watched a million mm. times just because I like doing it. And like, it makes me feel good. So like, I feel more girls. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't feel <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point, Sada. Like, I always think about that with podcast episodes. I'm always like, ooh, it's updated. Like, is this going to apply to me? Kind of a thing. You know, I had that struggle this morning. I was like, you know, I became like so inundated with like, oh, I've got all these new episodes of the podcast that I follow, but I still haven't caught up from like, two months ago, you know, feeling like, uh, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of paralysis I, I find sometimes when it comes to that. Yeah. I, that made me think of something too, that just cause something is new, doesn't mean it's trendy. Like mm. that's hype. That's not a trend. So like, you know, when it's like the new TV show, the new thing that you're just like, oh, I have to do this because everyone's going to like, that's not really the case. <laughs> like if you don't want to indulge in that thing or, you know, know about that trend or engage with it, you don't have to. And you can go back to those like older things that, you know, are just your favorite and that make you feel good. That's so interesting because I feel like I um, have previously had like a real tendency on like not acknowledging new things because of the hype factor, but then like kind of coming to things like a year after everybody and then being like, oh, I really like this thing. And I'm independently coming to this trend or this thing or this creator on my own versus it being like a trending thing. And my one example of this is Lady Gaga. Like I was like, nope, <laughs> 
don't care, not listening for like two years. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, have you, you guys know about this? She's amazing. Um, but that's like, that's literally like everything with me. Um, and so, but it's like, it's, it's a little bit of like unintentional and it's me trying to create a filter for quality. That's what I yeah. do unintentionally. Like I just forget mm-hmm. about things. And then like two years later, I'm like, oh my God, big little lies. What? This one's <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Yeah. How, how many times it's almost like, uh, I think of this in terms of like, Oh, you have to see something so many times before you're like, Oh, I know that brand or I know that person. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you say that like, maybe this is true or not? Like, does somebody have to recommend something like a number of times to you or so many people have to recommend something a number of times to you before you're like, okay, I, I at least have to filter this in. Or do y'all just like keep, still keep that personal boundary of like, no, like, I don't care. Like, or does that make you not want to watch it even more? I feel like I'm in that camp. I feel like if everyone is like, watch this, watch this, watch this. I'm like, no, yeah. you don't know what you're talking like, about. You're not the boss of me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like I, I more so like, like almost listen to certain tastemakers, like, that's kind of, you know, whether it's an influencer or even just my friends who's, you know, I know they resonate with the type of things that I like or something, just someone with similar tastes as me. Like if I know that they really like something or really enjoy, you know, a new TV show or a new app or music, whatever the case Mm. may be, I'm more likely to check it out sooner than if it's just like, everyone on Twitter is randomly talking about this thing on this day. I'm probably not going to care about that thing on that day. Maybe the next day. <laughs> You're like, you really like the conjuring too. I don't know. I don't trust your taste. Not going to go there. Also, I haven't seen yeah. the conjuring too, y'all. It could be really great, but I just used that <laughs> as an example. Yesterday on Twitter, Brie Larson posted a photo of her doing archery. Um, and like her back muscles were like in full display, but like it was like the second highest trending thing on Twitter. And it was like the most unimportant conversation, even though like I'm deeply in love with Brie Larson and her like workout regimen. It was still just like, I'm like, really guys pandemic, like, like Afghanistan, there's all this fucking shit going on. And we're the Twitter's lighting up over Brie Larson's new archery skills. So yeah. Conversations. Want to see what's next. Is this maybe for the second Captain Marvel? I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. maybe what we we need to be talking about or is uh was Brie Larson is she going over to I don't know using those archery skills for good hopefully uh we can only hope that that is the know. case for Brie rich people do archery I, I don't know it's like one of these things where it's so it's so unrelatable <laughs> oh absolutely and and yeah. you know I think that that's like part of the thing, right? Like, and like part of why people get so, uh, you know, involved in reality television is because Mm -hmm. it's like beyond anything that they know to be true. So it's like, what? Like there are humans out there doing this. This is insane. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of, it kind of has me thinking too about like, you know, as, as we're sort of like wrapping up the conversation here around like a trends life cycle, like how, you know, again, we sort of talked about like, just because people are talking about it or whatever, it's like, doesn't necessarily mean it's a trend that's going to be long lasting. You know, there are things that go on into the zeitgeist, right. Of just like 
ever popular. I mean, but also like, look how long it took Free Britney to come back around. Like that dude made that video like three, four years ago. I don't know, maybe oh, longer like, than that. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. years and years ago. Sit time. Um, and now it's it's you know made its its way back up. But yeah, just sort of curious, like if what. When do these things live and die? How long? I think with our just constant availability of media, trends are going to come and go faster just because mm-hmm. we have access to all of this information all at once. And I've already seen this, like people talking about this on TikTok, especially when it comes to fashion, how trends are like just coming and going, you know, as fast as like a month or two. And I think with everything, we're going to see a similar cycle too. Why didn't that happen mm-hmm. with Crocs? Damn it. I'll be back. Constant debate. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I agree with Sada on that. I think like because things are produced so quickly, it's making the life cycle of trends shorter. But you know, I think trends always kind of like come back. Like there's not like a set timeline of a trend. Mm. It could be something that like we forget about and then five years later we're like, oh yeah, remember Clubhouse? (laughs) Like and that becomes a thing again. And that, and then, you know, it could be a whole different trend at that point in time. Um, just kind of like based on the original trend, I guess. So, yeah, I think like when a trend dies out, that does, also doesn't mean that like you have to stop doing the thing. Or if it's something that you still like, like still indulge in that, still wear that outfit or whatever the case may be. But I think the general like consensus will be that it's probably old news. <laughs> Uh, Clubhouse is going to be nostalgic in a couple of years. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it'll be my. It'll be the MySpace of its kind. It's interesting. I think of the internet and like our sort of pop culture and trending like universe as like the actual universe, right? So like the actual universe is like some sort of scientific theory. Did not study astrophysics at all, but it's like you know the the universe is always like expanding out the universe is always just kind of like getting bigger in space and so then there's like kind of more there and i think it's like you know obviously like we're moving through time and we're kind of collecting these decades and now it's like the universe is getting bigger and bigger and bigger with the internet and so yeah it's like some things i think if they're quality will stick around but then there's always going to be sort of like whatever we're like stretching out into so not to get like super I sound like I'm like super high right now. This is like a <laughs> the like, one hit wonders now. of the world. Yeah. You're like the universe. See? So uh, <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, well, amazing. Uh, Sada, Cyan, really appreciate your time on the podcast today. This was really fun uh, talking about what's hot, what's not, how we, you know, how we see those things in the world and like how we relate to them as humans and, you know, as publicists and um, social media marketers out in the world. So really appreciate your time. Uh, As always, Evie, Spaceman. It was such a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. Again, I'm Megan Jones. Remember, uh, Rebellious PR. Follow us on all of the social platforms. You can find us there, um, rebelliouspr.com. If you're looking to reach out to us, uh, thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next pod. (music) 